Please stand by for a special podcast from Two Works For You. And welcome to Beyond the Forecast, a Two Works For You podcast. I have the honor by being joined by a Tulsa City Councilor. Phil Lakin, he is joining us today. Phil, thank you so much for stopping by the studio. Oh, I'm happy to get to do it. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, so, Phil, uh, we're, let's start off by talking a little bit about your life because you grew up here in Tulsa. Tell us where you're from. I am from here. I got here whenever I was nine years old. Dad moved us from uh, Texas to Tulsa. So I started fifth grade at Jinx, graduated from Jinx. I was gone for a little bit, but came back in 1999 and have been here ever since. And of course, you're the Tulsa City Councilor. Uh, tell us your district. Uh, district 8. And of course, that comes as much as South Tulsa, right? Uh, your boundaries generally run from what? Uh, basically, basically 71st Street South to okay. the river between Harvard and Memorial. Gotcha. Except where Bixby encroaches. I do have a little chunk between 61st, 71st Harvard and Yale as well. So, you know, a lot of people think is when you're a city councilor, you work for government, that's your full-time job, but that's not the case, right? No, not at all. No, it's a part-time job for me. Uh, I get to work at Tulsa Community Foundation. I've been CEO of Tulsa Community Foundation uh, since 1999. It Give us a little more insight on what uh, Tulsa Community Foundation does. Sure, sure. We're the second largest community foundation in the country, which wow. is a source of pride, or it wow. should be, for the that's city amazing. Uh, there's about 850 community foundations out in the country managing, gosh, like $55 billion of assets. Uh, at TCF, we have $4.5 billion of those total $55 billion. So um, we are America's most generous city, and it's proven by how much people have given into the community foundation. It, it, but basically, we help individuals and corporations uh, give their money away. And then we're helping nonprofits with uh, endowment funds, too. And how does that make you feel to be just a little part of that ability to help give back to the community which you've uh, grown up in? Oh, I, I, I have to pinch myself just <laughs> given what I get to do and sure. get paid to do on a daily basis. Um, I never have felt like this was a job and, and hopefully never will uh, because I enjoy it so much because I get to give back to the city that I, I truly, truly love. And I get to give back in, in two different ways now in my role as city councilor and then through that role at TCF. So walk us through becoming a city councilor. What, what got you started? What got you motivated to, to uh, go towards that uh, line of uh, community service? Yeah, I, I think my heart has always been oriented that way ever mm -hmm. since I went through high school and college and got more uh, involved in extracurricular activities, just leading um, the student bodies at Jinx or at uh, Baylor, my alma mater. Um, but as I said, my heart is just, um, very, very much in favor of everything good in Tulsa that sure. we get to do. And so, um, I, I could only do a certain amount of things at the community foundation, um, through, if you, if you will, the charitable, uh, leg of the stool, right. we have a, a corporate leg, um, an individual leg, and then this government leg, and then the charitable one as well. And, um, you know, the government wasn't always working really well with the rest of those sectors. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking from the outside perspective and, you know, we could do better. We could do better with our elected representatives. Um, our government wasn't necessarily in sync with knowing what the charitable sector was doing or the business sector was doing. And so I, I really felt led to go and um, try to help us do better sure. at City Hall. 
And I think we've been very successful in that regard since uh, 2011. We had uh, seven new counselors out of the nine council seats elected. And um, since that time, I think we've had a lot of harmony between the mayor's office and the council office and just citizens at large. Um, Certainly, we're not doing every single thing that every single citizen wants us to right. do. But I, I think, I, 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 I think we're, we're moving in the right direction and we're leading and we have a vision and we have a plan and a structure in place. Yeah. I mean, I've grown up here my whole life as well. And I've, I've seen that uh, frustration and that, uh, I don't know, hostility back in the day with the council and the mayor's office. And um, now it seems non-existent. I mean, of course, uh, Mayor Bonham uh, being part of the city council, it, doesn't that help him out a, a lot being part or being mayor and then used to be in part of the city council? It helps us all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and he does an excellent job of including us. If you listen to virtually everything that he says in public, he will say the council and I. It's not what he did. It's not what we did. And I think that really does. Uh, resonate with the the citizens as well. It's something coming from City Hall. It's nobody trying to take ownership or trying to take too much credit for any one thing. It takes us all down there, and we're all serving the same people. And and we saw that really come to fruition last uh, spring, especially when we're dealing with severe weather. Uh, it was a record spring. We had record tornadoes, uh, record flooding, as you're well aware. Uh, your your south part of the city, uh, your area uh, does border along the Arkansas River. Um, a lot of your constituents, uh, residents were affected by the flooding. And tell us about what your, when you were going through that, what was your primary thoughts on, on how to help people out and keep them safe? Right. I had a, a, a little bit of a different seat than most counselors typically get because I was chairman of the council at that point. Sure. And I invited myself into the emergency operations center. And usually city counselors, for one reason or another, had not been admitted to that center, which is in the basement of the old mm-hmm. city hall, basically. And so I went down there and saw how our different government agencies were interacting. And I had full access to all the information that was available that was given, being given to us by um, the Army, mm-hmm. the, the Corps. Corps of Engineers, yeah, there you go, um, the National Weather Service, every federal agency, every state agency was there. And so... Um, except for the stuff that was super duper classified, I just decided, and the mayor decided too, um, we're going to communicate this as immediately as possible. And so, sure, sure enough, I, you know, I'll have to do a disclaimer. I'm not a resident uh, within his boundaries, so I can kind of speak a little independently. I, I live in uh, just adjacent to him. And uh, I actually was following you for my own personal needs because I live adjacent to your, your district. Sure you and uh, your information was extremely helpful, and it was and it was all through social media. Um, w- was that your intention to to use social media as that platform to help keep people informed? It was the only platform that I had. So, um, you know, uh, some of the other media sources were um, getting information out as well, but but we had very specific numbers, and I had things that I specifically needed to communicate to those people in South Tulsa, where the media was communicating more generally with all Tulsans. Right. And so I was providing maps for that portion of town, um, maps from the 1986 flooding event saying, we know this is what happened back then, but remember that lots of changes have occurred since then. So we want to let you know what happened and we want to forecast what could happen at these flow rates. And so and then I just continue to just promote what I know uh, being a 
good Boy Scout. Right. Be prepared. Sure. Prepare yourselves. Prepare your families. And uh, luckily, we we were just shy of having a major flooding event in South Tulsa. Thankfully. Thankfully, uh, but, right. But everybody was as prepared as they could be because we did get that information out there. Yeah, I remember going to work and uh, you know leaving the house with sandbags uh, on the. Uh, uh, on the driveway uh, in front of the front door. And, and of course we were working long shifts and, and I right. kept thinking back home, I was like, Oh, please, you know, my poor family that's there alone and I'm here working nonstop. So I really felt for them. Uh, but your information was, was spectacular. Thank now, you. as far as we, you know, we looked to the past and we saw that historic event last year, it, it, it didn't become a natural disaster and thank goodness for that. Um, has this last event helped us prepare now for, for future events? Or is it just entirely on the situation again, on what how it unravels? Yeah, I think every situation is going to be different. I think we were uh, just extremely lucky and blessed that one of those levees did not break, um, especially in the northern, uh, western part of the city. Um, if that would have taken place, then obviously we would have had a completely different response. Um, I, and I think there's things that we have learned, you know, we were scrambling there at the end, uh, whenever we were trying to forecast and we were trying to work with private contractors who could help us prepare the maps. And you know, thankfully they were out there and they had the tools that they could use to, um, upload certain topographical elements and mm-hmm. produce things from a CAD system so that we could then get that out to just our citizens so that they could make their own determinations as to, how, um, wh- what risks they really had. Um, and we did it as quickly as humanly possible, right. but it still didn't seem quick enough. Uh, we still had lots of people just extremely anxious, which I understand. Yeah. I mean, so, their, their lives are at risk and their, yeah. their whole livelihood that their, you know, their normal routines have been thrown off. Yeah. Um, so, I so I think we're better prepared because we already have, now we have that information. We've mm-hmm. We've input all the new developments. We've input all the new changes, the road changes that weren't previously input. So we're updated. Um, what we as a city need to do is continue to update that. We don't need to wait until the net next natural disaster. Let's say our next flood happens 10 years mm-hmm. from now. Uh, shame on us if we haven't updated those maps for 10 years. Sure. We should learn from this. Sure. Absolutely. Those maps were incredibly useful uh, to know where you lived and, you know, what the situation was in the past. Um, you know, the levees have been a situation. I know the, that uh, funding from the U.S. government is has been a big question and key in, in keeping those levees updated. And do you know where we stand currently with those levees? I know that's out of your district. So right. uh, do you have any status information? I don't. I keep following it uh, in the media just sure. as everybody else does. But I think um, County Commissioner Karen Keith mm-hmm. and Senator Jim Inhofe are the the two leaders on sure. that. And I think they're pressing as hard as possible. And I'm really grateful that Senator Inhofe is where he is and has the power that he does. Um, right. So hopefully we'll be able to see some kind of uh, production from that so that we can replace those very old levees. Now, far as, as your constituents and, and the people in your community, what was the response from them about social media and that new form of communication? Yeah, I think they were very grateful. They were very grateful to be communicating and have uh, real-time information. Um, and that's what, they, that's what they wanted, and that's what they deserved. So I just continued to provide it um, as I received it. Um, it's pretty amazing how many additional followers I got on Facebook and social media, not because I was trying to, but sure. um, 
people were just sharing that information that I was sharing because it was it, it was in real time and I was doing my very best to provide just the latest information to everyone. So the other night, uh, well, you know, not to date this too much on this podcast, because you may be listening to this at a later date, but, um, you know, Nashville was hit with a horrific tornado in the yep. middle of the night. We're familiar with that, with tornadoes in the middle of the night. Uh, you can't see them. Um, people are asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that very well could happen to the metro region. You know, we had the, the one happen in the middle of the night in the Midtown area. Um, how do you feel that our community, you know, maybe specifically South Tulsa, is prepared for a disastrous scene like that? Uh, not to say that will occur or, you know, it's just, like you said, always be prepared. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on the preparation for something like that, a catastrophic event here in, in the metro region? Yeah, that's, that one's tough to say, uh, especially because uh, you, you do have the dark of night. You know, all of us have gone out on our back porches and have tried to uh, see those tornadoes for ourselves. Right. But uh, they do happen very, very quickly, as you and so many other Oklahomans very well know. Um, you know, I, I've been pleased with the responsiveness of our city um, in getting out there and cutting down the trees that are right. crossing the roads that help us. Because that happened, I, I mean, I was going home through your district class, and there was uh, trees all over covering Riverside. Right. And, right. Um, and, and those were taken care of pretty quickly. Right, right. So we have a really good response mechanism for those kinds of things. Um, and, and I'm very confident in that. But I haven't seen the mechanism for responding to a really serious situation where we have a lot of injuries or fatalities. Thankfully, I haven't had to see that. Um, I think we're as prepared as possible. I know that we practice for those kinds of things, sure. but um, I, I hope we never have to really test it and, sure. and see if it really works. Exactly. Um, so I've got to ask you about, because you're also really good on updating on roads, and I travel all through the roads that you always mention. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as street uh, continued construction, um, you know, that can be kind of a sticky subject, I understand. You know, people want their ways to be work be un, un, uh, unbothered or, you right. know, not to have, to have issues. But uh, South Tulsa is growing, and it's growing rapidly. How is the city able to kind of, you know, keep up with that growth? It's tough. Mm-hmm. So uh, being the counselor for District 8 and being in far South Tulsa where I am, we have 50% of the roads that are still two-lane roads. Right. Yeah. So they're over capacity um, and and underlaned, if you will. We just have two lanes. We should have three or five lanes. Um, the other council districts, except for maybe one, mm-hmm. have Four-lane roads. They right. have plenty of capacity right. in the grand scheme of things. I sure. mean, it's all relative. Right. But I have um, a lot of needs, and, and widening a road is about is five to ten times more expensive than overlaying with asphalt a road. Okay. So do the other counselors collect their votes together and say, oh, no, we'll use the $10 million to pave 10 miles of road or do they throw a bone to me in Council District 8 and say, <laughs> we'll give you $10 million to five-lane, one-mile of road? Gotcha. So it's a constant... Um, Give and take, almost? Uh, it, I, I guess. It, it's just, I have, to, I have to let them come and see the experience, come and see and experience it for themselves. Sure. And that's hard to convince them to do. They don't really want to come down to South Tulsa and sit in traffic. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why we're complaining. 
They so. could ride with me on a date of work. <laughs> right. I'll, right. I'll give them an update on on uh, what what needs to be improved. Uh, don't you love that Joe Citizen out there that thinks he knows uh, the greatest uh, ways or whatnot? And it, it is funding. And of course, does that all come from the city budget? How does it, it? it doesn't come from the city budget. It comes from those uh, tax packages that we put okay. out there in front of voters. Gotcha. So um, what I've been able to do with the city councilors is say, out of the total amount that we're applying to streets, can we use 15% or 20% for widening? And luckily, everybody has said, yes, that yeah. is a reasonable number. And then within that, let's say 20%, there is a um, very scientific, non-political means okay. of going through and grading each one of the roads that needs to be widened. Gotcha. I don't have any effect on if if they tie. For instance, mm-hmm. if both of them get a ninety-three, sure, out of a hundred, then I can choose which one is prioritized. Gotcha. Otherwise, it's the methodology that chooses the next street that's widened. So. We probably have $80 million or so of widening money that's coming into South Tulsa. Uh, we can't do it all at one time, though. That's the other constraint that we have. Right. Everybody wants it done right now, but if we did it all at the same time, then we would have lots of traffic issues uh, because we would have to close down two or three miles of road, which is obviously not benef- beneficial to anyone. No, and they would be frustrated uh, more so than waiting its time and place for it to actually uh, come in place and, and, and to be rebuilt. Now, let me, or in wide, I should say. So let me ask you, I know what, uh, 100 and, uh, 101st in Sheridan? Is that the next big one? I'm, I'm just shooting off the cuff here. What, what's the next? 101st in Yale. 101st in Yale. Up. So the intersection at 101st in Yale will be widened, clear to the creek. So we'll get five lanes in that Great. intersection north to the creek. Because that really does bog, bog up at rush hour. Oh yeah, absolutely. Both directions. So that will really take out some of the tension um, in the system. That's really basically South and East and West of that intersection. After that, we're going to widen 81st to 91st on Yale. That's that two lane twisty turny up the hill, down the hill piece. Um, Taken a lot of lives over the years that I've lived here and also had many near misses on that. So so safety would be the number one priority on that one. Obviously, you get the benefit of, of widening, but I mean, like you said, uh, you know, growing up here as well, you that's the hill that you always hear about, especially yep. when, you know, at night or whenever type any type of weather comes through, There's there seems to be some type of accident. There's up always there. an accident, especially around 86th or 87th. So we'll get seven lanes through there. Wow. Um, and we're cutting the hill down by about 20 feet or so, and we're definitely straightening, straightening that road out. And how long does that those the projects typically take? They usually take 18 to 24 months, okay. and that seems like a long amount of time just to you know, clear some land but and, and then add some asphalt. But you have to remember what we have on the sides of our two-lane roads right now are ditches uh, that are used to uh, collect the water, which is then run into a creek somewhere. Right. That's not possible if you take the street clear out to the edges. So we have to bury all of our storm sewers. And we do take the opportunity to improve the storm sewer situation. So we still have flooding in South Tulsa, the the localized flooding, not the major flooding like we were talking about earlier. Sure. So we, we try to do all of that at the same time. So we don't have to go in there and cut up the road right after we lay down a new road. Um, and then we we do the pavement and everything else. And we're really focusing, too, on alternative modes of transportation. So we're trying to design our corridors not just for cars, but also for pedestrians and bicyclists sure. as well. 
because you have the wonderful Creek uh, Turnpike or the Creek uh, Trail uh, right. out south. The wonderful get access to that. So that will be will be awesome. Is there anything else that maybe we haven't addressed that uh, you want to plug in for South Tulsa? Oh, gosh. You know, there's lots of great things going on in South Tulsa. Um, the, the one that you just mentioned, you know, we, we have um, very few ways. We, we have a lot of sidewalks, but we have a lot of sidewalks to nowhere. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've been trying to do as a counselor is just make sure that our sidewalks connect to the trail system or connect to businesses and other neighborhoods. So we just weren't developed in the right way down there because our planning uh, department and planning attitude back then was, ah, yeah, just go out there and plan however you want. Sure. So now we're going back and making some modifications. So all those areas that now aren't connected by sidewalks soon will be connected by sidewalks to each other and to major trail systems. So if you're at 101st and Yale right now, you can't you can't get to the gathering place right. on a sidewalk. Um, you will be able to in about 18 months. That's awesome. Yep. That's yep. awesome. As far as streetlights, too, that's in, this is the last thing. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. You know, as far as the, the timing, how, how does that work out? Is is that something that you have a hand in and helping out and getting that flow of traffic going, or is that just all, you know, the, the traffic system of Tulsa? Yeah, you should ask my wife this question <laughs> because uh, she knows the frustration. <laughs> she can vouch for the frustration that I, as a city councilor, have with our traffic engineers uh, whenever I'm driving the car. So there's not very many corridors that are timed. Mm-hmm. You know, Riverside is timed in places. Sure. Uh, 71st is timed. Yale is supposed to be timed. I haven't seen it timed in for a long time. So I'm in constant contact with my our traffic engineers. Sure. And um, I'm frustrated with many signals right. that seem to be out of sync. So, yeah, I'll continue to work on it. And other city councilors continue to work on it. Um, we added about seven people to that department recently okay. and, uh, they are improving. Um, and we did that through the, uh, vision sales tax dollars because we, and, and it's a dedicated tax. So, so it staffs up that department permanently. It's not just a one-time staff up. So not only do we get better attention to our traffic signals, but we also stripe our streets one time a year. Okay. We stripe our intersections, uh, once every six years, but with that, we're using those things that you basically um, apply with an iron. You know, they're right. there, there's thermoplastic, something or another. It's there almost permanently. And then we're doing some other things just to make uh, driving easier, especially during weather events. So sure. if it's raining outside, we want people to be able to see, um, yeah, definitely the line separating the different lanes, but the edge of the road and all the curbs are the things that we're really trying to mark with higher priority. Phil, you have been really fascinating. Uh, again, I can't thank you enough for last spring and helping keep South Tulsa safe. Uh, it means a lot. Um, has anybody ever told you you've got incredible pipes? <laughs> you you need a, you need me my voiceover for my podcast here. You yeah, are no, this is probably related to a cold that I'm coming off of. <laughs> yeah, more than anything else. Anybody listening to these podcasts knows that Phil has so far had the best voice on our podcast. So thank you, Phil, so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking your time. I know you got a busy schedule, so thank you again. Thank you.